0: Hey, it's Brian, your lunatic friend again, telling my stories of the 1970s. Before I forget them, the 70s were a decade that people point to when referring to the Jesus movement. And I was there, but you wouldn't have known it. In August of 1973, I was making what might be the biggest mistake of my life. After two years of college, I was dropping out to start a band. My folks were horrified when I told them, personally, I think God made young and reckless part of our makeup on purpose. Looking back, I think of it as a booster rocket to get you into organization, but my college education wasn't getting me where I wanted to go. I had no interest in it. And it was an expensive way to rent a room while you did something else. For a couple of weeks now, I had hitched a ride to Riverside with a guy that looked like Jesus. Greg Laurie was a squirrely 20-year-old who had been going up to Riverside to do a Bible study in a little church. He had long hair and a beard and looked just like that picture on the wall that religious people have in their house. The Thompson twins were hovering around that Bible study. Rick had a house down the street where I would stay over the weekend to have our first rehearsals. He had a double kick drum set set up in his house. Pretty much took up the whole living room. His brother's bass amp would sit in the hallway, and they had borrowed a Fender Rhodes for me to play that was backed up against the front door. So to get into the house, you're gonna have to go through the kitchen. It was Rick's double kicks that made a three-piece band sound so full. Those were the big drums on the floor that you control with a foot pedal. They were mostly used in speed metal bands, but after just a few rehearsals in Riverside, I knew we had something. Our sound was good and it was unique, and we were a Motley looking crew. You had this tall skinny guy and a short pudgy guy and one singer that looked like a girl. I'll never forget the first time I drove to Riverside in my own car. I was sitting at a light when two redneck guys in a pickup truck pulled up next to me. I had no facial hair and I had long shoulder length blonde hair. I was a bleach blonde by the end of the summer and these guys looked over at me and blew me a kiss. It was my first impression of Riverside. It was a back road country hick town. The only thing I could hang my hat on was that the music I was doing was was good. My environment was scary, but I was past the point of no return. Physically, it didn't take much to move to Riverside. Everything I owned fit in the back seat of a car. I would move into Rick's house. Actually, it was his garage. We would start rehearsing in it, and he had an old upright piano that I turned sideways, keys facing the garage door, and put a twin bed behind it. I had a six by ten space with a door on the side, a sink and a toilet on the other side that would also serve as my closet. I would make it comfortable. I would stretch material over with the open two by four walls and covered the open rafters with a sheet. Looked like I was living in a tent. And for air conditioning, all you had to do was open the garage door. Riverside was in the desert. In the summer, it was over a hundred degrees, but I was living rent free. In the daytime, I would work with Rick Thompson, doing home repairs, mostly painting interior walls. And I would make extra gas money when I found you could make $14 donating your blood plasma twice a week. Of Course, those needles would put tracks in my arms over the months, started to look like I was using. But all I was using was a piano in the garage that I would sleep behind. And every night we would rehearse, and all day on Saturday, unless we were playing somewhere, I still remember our first gig, three of us sitting in a van, driving to the next town, to a little tiny church. It was dead silence driving over, and no fanfare or enthusiasm. When we got there, 20 people in an old-fashioned church with church pews and an echo like the Grand Canyon. The only good thing I remember was the satisfaction we had that we had taken the first step as a real band. By this time, Greg Laurie was given the keys to an old Baptist church that seated about 800, and it was already packed full of kids about our age. In their teens and 20s, the clip in the newspaper said, Youth group gets its own church. And my new band, simply known as Sweet Comfort, which was Rick's idea as another name for Jesus, would serve that church by painting it, being ushers, and I was doing correspondence counseling for the new converts. As Sweet Comfort, we would play every high school in the local area. Preaching the gospel might have been credited with the Jesus movement, but it was the music that got people there in the first place. Oh, Kevin, our bass player, had a tendency to preach too between songs. I wasn't crazy about it, but then I preferred to sing over talking. Sunday night was a big concert night in Riverside. It was at least half of the service, and Sweet Comfort was not the only band to play there. Andre Crouch came up once to play by himself, and there were a lot of bands from Orange County. Groups like Parable, Mustard Seed Faith, The Way, and Road Home. There were a few new bands springing up out in the desert My favorite one was a group called Waylon Jonah. And there was a new kid that came out from the beach. He was super hyperactive and a real good piano player. His name was Keith Green, and he made my performance feel a little sleepy. It just figures that in the next few years, Keith Green would go on to be one of the biggest things ever in Christian music. But there were other bands in Riverside County besides us, bands that would never play at Calvary Chapel. Even though the players were going to our church, I remember going to rehearsals for two new local bands. Red Sea was a little too close to A.C. DC for Greg to want them at the church. And then there was Holy Smoke. They had a B3 player. I sat in at one of their rehearsals once. They were so loud that my ears would ring for a couple of days. I would get my hearing back, but my vision was still kind of short-sighted because I didn't see the change coming for my own band. We had been a three-piece group, driving three little cars to little gigs through most of 1974. My Pinto, Rick's Vega, and Kevin's Dotson 210. Calvary Chapel church plants were popping up all over Southern California now, and and we were driving to most of them our fee to play was 25 dollars, and i remember that first serious meeting we had in the garage where we decided to up our price to 75 dollars. but that wasn't going to be enough because by the end of the year we didn't know it but we were going to add a fourth player to the band It's hard to imagine that God is directing your path when you're caught up in the daily grind, but in this case, it's good to look back to see how far we've come. I hope sharing my story with you encourages you in your own daily grind to realize that God leads you and brings surprises when you least expect. And by the way, this podcast came as a surprise to me. I didn't plan it, and I didn't see it coming. I didn't know I was going to be your lunatic friend either, but thanks so much for listening, and I listen back when you add a comment. You can also add a donation to the cause if you see its value. Just click the support button on the main page, but whether you give or not, I'll see you again, my friend.